What's up, Conroe, and welcome to a brand new edition of Nerd Thug Radio. Yep. Yeah. I'm Corey Jardine, and with me as usual is little brother Nico. That's me. And we are hanging out. We are doing a special edition. We're recording a little bit later this week than we normally do. We had a lot of stuff going on. We we wanted to make sure we talked about Kawaiicon. Is that what it was called? Kawaiicon? Kawaiicon? Kawaiicon. Something like that. Anyway, we went out there Saturday. We had a really great time. Uh, and just also there was a lot of stuff going on. And we wanted to make sure we talked about all of it with you guys here on Nerd Thug Radio. Uh, how you doing, buddy? I'm I'm holding up well after, a, honestly, a pretty eventful weekend. All right. Okay. Um, a lot going on here. I uh, I got to get in a pool Saturday night for the first time in, I think, like two summers. So oh, look at you. Yeah. Yeah. I was happy for about 30 minutes. Big man on campus. And then what, your, your oils on your skin ran out and you had to get out or what? No, I, I was I was house sitting for a buddy. Uh, I got there kind of late and uh, I just took a can of beer with me and just got in the pool. And then when the can was empty, the bugs started to get to me. And I said, all right, okay. And you're like, Meh, all right. Snap back to reality to quote the best rapper alive. It's not Will Smith. Yeah, that is. Oh no, that's Eminem. Oh, oh okay. Man, now, <laughs> now, I really feel like I could say is that it? in the uh, Fresh Prince of Bel Air style, but you're right. That's Eminem. You're right. How could you say this to me? Listen, I'm getting old. How could you betray the the trust that is the Will Smith, <laughs> the the Will Smith estate? Yeah. Um, we live in the millennium because of him. We do, we do. This thousand years is dedicated to the Smith clan. I don't know. I kind of only like like two of them. Um, you know what, man? Like, okay, they all have like weird things. I I watched the uh, David Letterman's "My Next Guest Needs No Introduction" on Netflix. Mm-hmm. The one with Will Smith and Will Smith. Listen, as much as I I think he is one of the best entertainers, rap artists. He's crucial to a lot of like the. He paves the way for a lot of stuff that comes a lot later, and he's right about stuff like discovering Miami for all of hip hop and all that. Like, he is uh, a pioneer for a lot of stuff. But man, does that guy really like to throw in inspirational quotes out of nowhere? I mean, yeah, I feel like it's kind of like part of the bit though, because he's like been that for so long. Yeah, I don't know. I kind of, I think I would like it more if he was just a little more down to earth, or maybe a little more Garth Brooksy and just cried at everything. I mean, yeah, but I mean, when 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 Will Smith cries, it's just like genuine sadness. Right, that's true. Uh, but yeah, I, it, it, you know, I, I, he just was like he he threw a lot of like big philosophical quotes to what was in like a a deeply personal conversation and it felt very meh. I think it's because he's still, when he's, when he's in public, he's still got that persona about him. It feels very much like really, he hasn't really shed the image. I feel like. No, it feels very much like a product. Like it really does. I mean, when you've been doing that for your entire life. True. True. Although the story of him getting the show, the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air is still one of the craziest stories I've ever heard. You're going to have to enlighten me. You've you never heard this before? No. So he's already rapping. Um, he's already got 
like a hit in there and they already recorded the first album which had I think like two or three number one hits on it and the label was kind of like okay you're the man you can do whatever you want kind of a thing mm-hmm. so he goes to record the second album in Cancun and it goes like dog crap because they just are partying the whole time him and Jazzy and finally they send his this the record label sends his dad down to like get him in line um, so the dad gets him back into LA finish the album when the album comes out, like it doesn't really do that well, but they also had spent so much money making the album that they were never going to get like a dollar for it. Plus he had mm-hmm. to pay taxes for what he had been earning the last couple of years. Uh, so he shows up to LA basically broke, like taking the subway broke, uh, but famous. Uh, so he's riding around on like public transportation where people are like, Hey, uh, aren't you Will Smith? And he's gotta be like, nah, um, no, nah, that's my brother. Yeah. Nah, I'm just, people say, you know, it's no. Um, but so he's hanging out at the Arsenio Hall show like all the time. Because uh, he's, again, famous. So he's friends with all these people, but he doesn't have anything to do and he doesn't have a job. Um, so somebody, Quincy Adams, invites him to. No, 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 no. This guy who actually is the real Fresh Prince, who comes from like a hard neighborhood in New York and comes to LA and winds up being like one of the richest real estate people in LA in like the eighties. Okay. Um, he is there at the Arsenio Hall show and he's talking to Will Smith and says, Hey, I'm going to go to it's Quincy Adams birthday today. We're going to go to this party at his house. You should come through. And, and Will Smith's like, yeah, I will definitely go to a Quincy Adams party for sure. Quincy Adams, uh, is a producer. He helped make a uh, thriller in all the Michael Jackson albums and stuff like that. So huge deal. Okay. Yeah. Father of Rashida Adams of The Office. Look at that. So Will Smith goes to this party, and when he gets there, turns out the reason they want him there is the guy who is the real Fresh Prince wants Will Smith to be him, and Quincy Adams is going to be a producer on the show. And at this party are the three people at NBC who would have to say yes to make the show happen. Classic L.A. schmooze fest. I love it. So when Will Smith shows up, Quincy Adams is excited, introduces him to everybody, hands him the script, and then says, hey, we're going to clear some space here in the living room. Will's going to do some of the scenes uh, for the show. Like on the spot. Oh, man. The, and, and Will Smith is like, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. And Quincy Adams says, what's the problem? What do you need? And the guy says, uh, and Will Smith says, I think I'm going to need a couple of weeks like, to prepare. And he goes, here's the thing. In a couple of weeks, these guys are all going to be back in their offices. They're all going to be in separate places. They're going to say, hey, I'll do this in a week. Hey, I'll get with you in two weeks. Hey, I'll talk to you in a month. This thing will never happen. Right now, in that room, is everybody you need to make a TV show? And Will Smith was like, all right. So he goes out there, and he does it, and he doesn't even say if it's good or bad. I imagine it's probably not that great, but whatever it is, they, they see it and they get it. And Quincy Adams is like, you guys like that? You like that? And he's like, you you like that? You And, and each of them individuals is like, yeah, yeah, it was good. And he goes, no, no, that's not what I'm saying. Do you like it? You know what I'm asking you. And they're like, yeah, it's fine. That's fine. He goes, great. He has a lawyer there at the party. And he goes, you, lawyer, draw up a deal memo. We'll get it signed right now. <laughs> so... This lawyer at Quincy Adams' party writes up like the basic, the skeleton of a deal memo, and in NBC and Quincy Adams and Will Smith sign it right there on the spot. 
That's insane. Um, and at the time, Will Smith, because of the IRS, the first, I think, two seasons of that show, he only makes like five grand an episode or something because the rest goes to the IRS. Awesome. Very cool. Love government. You got to remember, when you owe them 40% of what you earn because you earn so much, and then on top of that, you owe them like a million dollars, it's really hard to catch up. Yeah, that's true. Because then all of a sudden it's like, okay, if you make three million, you get to keep two million because you got to give them one anyway, and you owe them another million. Okay, you can keep that. You can keep the third million for yourself. And actually, out of that third million, you got to give some to your agent and your housing. Yeah, you also got to pay ten percent of three million to your agent and to your manager and all. So, like, (laughs) at the end of the day, you're even with everybody, and you got like four hundred grand to your name. Which I mean is a lot for regular people. Not it's regular so much. rich. It is poor. It is celebrity poor. Correct. But that's when you start showing up at people's birthday parties for ten grand and stuff. Yeah, that's true. They roll up through like a bar for ten thousand dollars. If anyone ever makes the mistake of thinking I am famous and I can get appearance fees, I am not coming home for like the first two years. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, after that, I may never leave the house again. But, well, I mean, you could you would, bet. I, you would make, like, the sickest, like, Jonah Hill impersonator tour on the planet and then, like, just, like, retire. Then just go home. <laughs> you just can, go home. You could, you could believe I'm, I, am, I am running that train to the ground and then that's it. I, I don't have to. People make the mistake, you know, every time I watch one of these movies, crime movies, mob movies, drug lord movies, any sort of movie where they're getting success and they don't and they think it's never going to end, that's where they're all stupid wrong. It ends for everybody. I mean, yeah, that's that's like the uh, that's like the classic tale of like every athlete that ends up broke as exactly, exactly. Uh, like, you know, what do you mean? I'm gonna play in the NBA forever, and then they get a, like two knee injuries, and they don't play for the next ten years. Or you're one of these guys. Um, so I was watching Game Two of the NBA Finals between Golden State and Boston, mm-hmm. and uh, Boston has a guy, Ilya Sova. Ilya Sova was a top ten pick to, I believe, I'm doing this off the top of my head, so forgive me if I'm wrong. I think Sacramento three years ago. Top 10 draft pick in the NBA means you get a contract, the piece of paper. The first two years are guaranteed, and those first two years are worth about $9 million. Um, There are two options, and the two options are each worth – if you get both options picked up, it's another, like, uh, about $20 million between the two years. All right? So, in theory – if you get picked in the top top 10 of the NBA draft, there should never be a problem in your life again financially. Yeah. Someone hands I'm, you $30 million. <laughs> you, you should be able to solve your issues. I think I think the number is like way lower than that. I think it's something like if you never want to work again and you never want your kids to work, it's something like 5 or $8 million. I mean, it's it like, depends on what – but yeah, it's, it's not as much as you would think it needs to be. But – so, but for Ilyasova, so here's what happens: they drop him down to the D League uh, at middle of year one. He just doesn't. 
he was doing he was he was special coming out of college and then getting into the pros. He just couldn't find a spot. And the thing about the NBA is you gotta you gotta you gotta you gotta make it where you can you gotta get in where you can fit in. That's how they say it. You gotta find your spot in the rotations and on the rosters. You gotta do whatever it is that team is trying to do. You've got to find some sort of role that they can appreciate for you, and then just tr- do your best at it. And he could never figure out that for Sacramento, so they wind up dropping him to the D League. Uh, or I think they call it the G league now, the Gatorade league. So he's in the Gatorade league. Um, and I mean, he, he's genuinely, he's two years into a rookie deal and is thinking about quitting the NBA. Um, he just doesn't, he, he's not happy in the, in the G it's the G league is treated like a developmental league. They take buses, not planes. Uh, they don't stay in the nicest hotels. The money is not the, the like the per diem and everything is not the same. The facilities aren't as good. They're not treated like NBA athletes. They're treated like guys trying to make the NBA. So for somebody who gets drafted and then within the same year is bumped down, like it's pretty disheartening. Yeah, um, I mean it's a huge difference. Yeah, and so what? But what happens is his wife is pregnant, and she basically says, "Look, uh, if you can't find a motivation for you, find a motivation for us." And she and he was like, oh, all right. So he goes out and he hangs up two just monster nights, 50 points, 60 point nights. Mm-hmm. And Boston comes back and says, uh, hey, would you like uh, some 10 day contracts? And then they go ahead and just sign him to a deal. So is that where he is now? He's, he's now playing in the playoffs. This is, I think, year three or year four for him. And he's now on Boston in the playoffs. But there was a time literally within the last year where he was like, I think I'm done with basketball. Insane. It's crazy how things can change like that, though. Oh, for sure. There's definitely, I mean, you know, one of my favorite sports stories. Well, probably, it's probably my second favorite sports story is the, is Kurt Warner, who originally was drafted to try and embarrass John Elway. And then he just wasn't. He mentally wasn't ready, but was mature enough to say he wasn't ready. So he was this quarterback that was drafted who never took the field and started losing reps in practice because he would just say like, "Oh, I'm not. I don't. I don't know what I'm looking at yet. Like I don't understand." Instead of being like, "Yeah, yeah, I got it. I got it," and just going out there and throwing the ball wrong, like he was like, "Um, where do? Where should I be going with this?" And they're like, "Oh my God, this guy." Um, so he gets cut from the NFL. He plays a little. Arena League, some Canadian football, never really sticks anywhere. Bagging groceries when Trent Green gets his uh, knee blown out. And the backup, I guess, gets hurt as well in the same. So when they finish that game, Trent Green is done for the year and the backup is injured. And now they're on a short list of guys to even call because it's like week three of the season. Yeah. And so they're like, well, Kurt Warner lives in the area. And they're like, whatever. So they bring him in, and he winds up having, like, a, a solid seven-year NFL career. Look at that. Super Bowl appearances. Um, and he started ahead of some pretty important people. Mark Bolger was, was a good quarterback. But more importantly, in the Giants, he was the guy who kept Eli Manning on the bench most of the rookie year. Which, like, hilarious, but also feels like deserved. Yeah, Eli, man, he wasn't he wasn't ready then, but he, you know, 
he turned out okay. Two Super Bowl appearance, two Super Bowl wins. Kurt Warner has a Super Bowl win, and I think three Super Bowl appearances. One with the Cardinals and two with the Rams. That's really impressive. <laughs> yeah, and he won one with the Rams. Look at that. They were called the greatest show on turf when he was quarterbacking them. Man, can't get a much better name than that. They had two of the fastest receivers in the NFL, Isaac Bruce and Torrey Holt. And these dudes could, I mean, just fly. Also, Marshall Falk was a running back, and he was this great pass-catching running back who was incredibly quick. So almost every play could be a touchdown if, like, if you could get the safety going the wrong direction. Yeah, I mean, all you need is a moment. Well, that's it. Like, once you – so – you know, you spread three wide, four wide, and you go way wide, like a receiver's on the sidelines wide, so the defense is very spread out. The safety can only go one way. So if if both Torrey Holt and Isaac Bruce are on opposite ends of the field and both pushing their guy downfield, whichever way the safety doesn't go is potentially a touchdown. And that was like that was seventy percent of their downfield offense. I mean, yeah, that sounds incredible. There was there's this great clip. I don't remember which one is which, but one of them is sprinting down the field, holding the ball. He caught it there and was running down the field to score a touchdown. The other one, the only other person on the field who can even keep up with him is the other receiver. They're running next to each other, staring each other in the eyes, encouraging each other down the field as they have run away from the entire defense. Incredible. <laughs> yeah, it's it was it was cool to see the two fastest guys on the field, like without a doubt. And they were on the same team. Yeah. Cause usually it's, it's almost never that way. Right. Or, you know, usually if there's just one guy who's so much faster than everyone else, like the chiefs, Tyreek Hill, anytime he's on the field, on the field, there's almost never anyone even close to him in speed. Yeah. But with these two dudes, they were both just so fast and they just, they would just run away from everybody. Just got the Jets on, and then there they go. Um, man, there's a lot going on. So Saturday we were at uh, Kawhi Con. We can talk. We'll talk about that after the break. I think a little bit. We'll do. We'll do five or ten minutes about that. Um, and then also Sunday was Hell in a Cell, uh, which overall wasn't great. It was kind of a disappointing WWE pay per view event. However, there's one match that will be that will be remembered forever. It will be talked about forever. It will. It is the new. Undertaker Mankind match. It is permanently in the immediately in the annals of history. Okay. Um, Cody Rhodes versus Seth Rollins. Earlier, they'd had a brawl on Monday Night Raw, and apparently, Cody Rhodes had tweaked his pectoral muscle. Oh, no. Pectoral tendon is what they're saying. In the build-up to the match, he's in the gym working out, looking so he can look good in the cage, and he completely tears his pectoral muscle from the bone tendon. It was again, sorry, pectoral tendon from the bone. Now, there's things in the WWE that are works, which means they are fake; they are done for attention. There are things in the WWE that are real. Um, there's there's some great. Dark side of wrestling when they talk about different things. Uh, the Hawk and Animal one, they talk about how one time Hawk is literally wrestling with a broken foot, and then they show clips from matches where he's wearing a boot that's different than every other time, and you realize, oh, he's literally wearing a walking boot that they painted. Nice. 
I mean, so there are times when they just, they don't want you to know that they're hurt. This one, there's no getting around. When he gets into the ring, he takes off his, his, his ring jacket attire thing. He has a, the, the blackest of black bruises from elbow. From Okay, draw a line through the front of your arm. And he's got a, in, on the inside of it, from elbow up through shoulder, and then back down your torso to basically a little past his nipple. He is black. Just, just total bruise. Ugh. Where the, where the tendon exploded. I've seen it in real life before. A buddy of mine, we were playing basketball one time, and he just immediately pulled up weird and was like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, and freaked out. And it was like, I, oh, oh my god, oh my god. Like, freaked out, like, weird. We were like, what happened? Like, no one even touched you. And he's like, I don't know. It's bad. It's real bad. It's real bad. And uh, the next day, he sent us all pictures. And it was the same kind of thing where, like, just his whole uh, calf or uh, his thigh, his whole thigh had bruised up. And he went to the doctor, and he'd had, like, a, a pretty good tear of a tendon in his thigh. Uh, and that's basically, when that happens, you you know, you bruise. Um, yeah, because you things that hold your muscles exploded yeah yeah so cody rhodes i mean literally it's i mean it's huge it's probably one square foot of bruise on his body like it's it's massive um he does they do an entire they do an entire 20 plus minute match That's um, insane. he goes he gets powerbombed through a table uh he gets hit with a sledgehammer he hits uh, Seth Rollins with a cowbell. They they put on a strap. They I mean they bang the crap out of each other for twenty minutes, um, and then he he wins the match, and it's uh, it's epic. I mean it's impressive. The stadium when he takes off his jacket goes flat out silent. Because I don't think anybody was expecting to see somebody like actually hurt. Yeah, I mean it's you know as much as like this is kind of why I love wrestling so much is like everyone gets into it, everyone's excited, but when something that like goes against that like oh this is clearly fake and everyone's having a good time like people like are like oh my oh my gosh <laughs> yeah yeah when it's not <laughs> fake anymore people are like wait whoa whoa. Whoa. Like, I, like I still remember that one time we went to I think reality of wrestling and one guy like I guess took like a fall like he go like like gets like power bomb through a table or something like that from like a ladder oh yeah it doesn't get the feet right <laughs> there's a moment where everyone goes like everyone just holds their breath <laughs> yeah it was uh you know, like, is, is he okay is... then he starts moving and we're like oh okay <laughs> What was the kid's name? The Latin kid. Uh, Gino. Gino. It was Gino, right? Like they went to they they went to put him through the table, and the guy holding him didn't have his feet right on the ladder. Yeah, like I don't I don't, I don't really know exactly what happened, but something it, happened. And they didn't and Gino, know exactly. yeah, Gino goes through the table like sideways. Yeah, everyone's like, oh. <laughs> to me, uh, worse than that one was when we were there. For um, the event the month before when Joey and I went and uh, Keith Lee 
want to say it was Keith Lee. Alabama slammed a guy through a table. An Alabama slam, it's, it's. I mean, it's kind of perfectly named, honestly. It's a really simple but effective move. You basically have a guy laid over your back with, like, his face down into your body. Mm-hmm. And he's across your back, and you're holding, like, his calves and, like, got a good grip. And you basically fling him over your shoulders back down as hard as you can. Well, they had this table propped up, and when he goes through the table, it's just so loud and so flat the way he lands that, he's like, just like I, he's dead. Yeah, I looked at, I, I swear, I looked at Joey and I was like, was that a murder? Like, did, do they do murder in indie wrestling? Is that a thing? Like, my God, hey, we're in the right place. We're in the right spot, right? Yeah. This this isn't like a weird fight club that you brought me to, right? Like, this isn't this isn't reality of reality, is it? Yeah. But they're not going to make me fight in the circle next, are they? Like, don't talk about it till you've done it. Like, it was it was brutal what uh what they did to this this kid. They just Alabama slammed him through a table, and I just remember thinking like, holy crap. But that was the big finish to that match. Everybody walks off. Everybody gets cheers. Everybody's happy. But, like, for a second, I just remember thinking, like, he's dead. <laughs> well, they, they killed him. Like, that was – that that was – What crazy. a way to end the career, I guess. Yeah. I, I guess we do murder now. I don't know. <laughs> um, but, yeah, man. So, he does the Hell in a Cell match, and it's it's epic. If it wasn't for that match, though, it's a pretty empty Hell in a Cell pay-per-view. Well, I mean, like, they had to sell it somehow. <laughs> <laughs> and they did. They did. But, like, so here's where they're messing up right now with WWE is right now the uh, the Bloodline has all the belts. Not all the belts. The Intercontinental and the whatever are still out there. But both heavyweight titles, the Raw title and the SmackDown title, Roman Reigns has both of them. And the Usos have the Raw Tag Team titles and the SmackDown Tag Team titles. Cool. Exciting stuff. So, if they don't participate in a pay-per-view, none of the titles are up for grabs. (laughs) They're like, aren't you excited? It's like, are any of the belts up? No. Well, they're not really. Yeah, the, the the U.S. title was up and that was it. And Ricochet has the Intercontinental title. And he's hurt. Oh no! So, literally, I mean, so literally, there was only one belt up. Uh, there was a one title match, and it was Austin Theory, who's this great little heel that they're developing. He he takes selfies after he knocks you out. Uh, takes selfies like with you in the background, laid out. I kind of that's kind of it's kind of funny. Um, but so he had a match against Mustafa Ali, who I honestly. They fired him, and now they brought him back, and I don't know why. If you're going to fire him once, he's just not worth bringing back. I think he asked for his own release, if I'm remembering correctly. I guess, but, like, where are you going to go? Yeah, that's my thing, man. Unless unless you're about to get a lot of money from AEW, like, just stay I, at the I don't know. I feel like, I feel like the, the confidence has shook a little bit of AEW. Well, it definitely is weird that Cody Rhodes left. One of the founders left. Like, that's a blow for sure. But they're still doing great stuff. CM Punk has been great. Uh, They actually talked about how – so AEW does four pay-per-views a year, okay? And they Mm -hmm. talk about how CM Punk has now been there one year. 
for one year worth of pay-per-views. And he has driven uh, an increase in sell. Uh, Tony Khan, the owner of AEW, basically said, I've never seen a more direct correlation between the signing of one wrestler and the uptick in, perf- in metric performance of, uh, of pay-per-view buys than CM Punk. He's such a he's such a funny like character because he's like like his whole bit was like real fighting and then he was in the MMA for like thirty seconds and lost three fights. Technically, one of those was a win because the guy who beat him got pegged for steroids. That's true. So he went one and two. <laughs> it's just funny that like and now he's like and I'm a wrestler again. Like we're done with fighting. <laughs> well, I think the bigger thing for him was like while it is great to be a uh, fake fighter. He wanted to test this himself. He was a tough guy. It's, you have to be tough to be a wrestler, but that doesn't make you a fighter. Also, I mean, you can't be 30 and start a new career, and that's basically what he tried to do there. Yeah, that's true. That's a hard thing to do. Especially when those, a lot of those guys, have a, this is all they do. They've, and they've been, been doing, doing it for years. Yeah, you get in the ring with somebody, you've got two years of training versus their 15 years of doing this. Yeah, and you're the same age. And he's like, yeah, I've been fighting since I was 10. Right. And you're, and you're like, like hey. cool, I was a pro wrestler. So like, yeah. <laughs> I'm one of the most successful pro wrestlers in all of industry. Okay, great. Uh, I punch people. <laughs> yeah. I've been fighting people since I was 10. Yeah. Honestly, I think you'd have an easier time like being a former bouncer of like, a rough bar. Than, yeah, like, a wrestler. just being just like a really tough guy, always getting hit by people. Yeah. Somebody who has been punched and thrown punches... I feel like would be in a better spot than a wrestler, but he did it. I mean, you know, to his credit, he got in there and he wrestled and, you know, he, he worked his way through it. I mean, he didn't quit on anybody. And I think by the end there, the, the last match that he lost, it was a split decision and he, and he took it to distance. I mean, there's improvement there, but how old are you going to be before you're any good? <laughs> yeah. That's the other, that's the other question. Especially with stuff that's so physical, it's hard to be like, and he's still a fighter. The only older fighters are like boxing. Yeah, and some of those have no business doing it. You know who I am now rooting for, though, is that is the Paul boxer. Which one? The one who's really boxing. Do you talk about the younger one or the older one? Uh, I think he's the younger one. The younger one. Do you know he moved to Puerto Rico, the younger one? That's funny. He moved. Well, that's where boxing like lives right now. And so he moved. He is literally living at a gym in Puerto Rico now. That's not a cushy, I have millions of dollars, like, place to live. Yeah. So, to to me, I like that that kid is taking it serious. Plus, he's only 26, 27, like. Yeah, he's like, he's like an actual age. Yeah. There's still time for him to learn, and, and, he's, and he's been winning. Like, yes, they've been selective in his fights. They're not putting him against, like, impossible guys, but they are putting him in the ring and letting him get better uh, and keep like, that's the thing. Uh, Mike Tyson was talking about Conor McGregor and he was saying how he thinks Conor McGregor needs to book like two easy fights to build his confidence back before he starts challenging for the title again and stuff. That's funny. Uh, I mean, it makes perfect sense to me. Like, yeah, you might think you're tough, but you got to feel tough before you can. Yeah. Especially after like, you know, some losses like that. 
when your world gets rocks, your 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 confidence is shook a little bit. You gotta get build yourself back up. Be like, all right, I am worth this hype. Let's go. Well, especially when you don't trust your body, right? Like your leg broke in the middle of a match. Yeah, out of literally nowhere. Yeah, no contact. I mean, just kind of gave up. I mean, that's not great. Uh, all right, we're gonna jump out to a break. When we come back. We're gonna talk Kawhi Con, and we got uh, some other interesting stuff. This is Nerd Thug Radio. What's up, Night Owls? Corey DLG here. Wanted to make sure you guys know about the weekly schedule of The Adventure Begins, comics, games, and more right up there at 525 Woodland Square, Suite 130 in Conroe. Every Monday, they're painting miniatures, and on Tuesday, they're rotating between Digimon or Dragon Ball. On Wednesday, they have Yu-Gi-Oh! On Friday, they do casual Star Wars play of almost every type of game, including Legion and X-Wing Fighter, and of course, Magic the Gathering and Warhammer on Saturdays. Make sure to go to The Adventure Begins, comics, games, and more, where all the nerds hang out. All right, nerds, let me tell you guys about a good friend of the show, an 11-year veteran who served in Iraq as a sniper and then became one of the coolest jobs in the world. In 2008, he got licensed to be a private investigator, a bounty hunter. I'm talking about scorpioninvestigations.com. Everything from proof of infidelity to sweeping a home or business for bugs, microphones, cameras, bounty hunting, and even doing some bail bonds work. ScorpionInvestigations.com is who you need to contact for your security needs and background checks. ScorpionInvestigations.com Hey guys, Corey DLG of Nerd Thug Radio just letting you know that your party is not complete unless you're using the Sincere Smiles Photo booth. Go to SincereSmilesPhoto.com and go ahead and make a reservation there for a photo booth to have at your party. It comes with all kinds of props and fun things. It can print or even make digital photos for you. And most importantly, if you mention the Nerd Thug Radio ad, you get an additional hour for free when making your reservation. SincereSmilesPhoto.com, the photo booth for your party. Corey DLG of Nerd Thug Radio, making sure you guys know about TastyCajunButter.com. All the way from Hebert's Meat Market in the Woodlands, all the way down to the Galleria, and even Linda's Seafood in Baytown or Rose's Seafood in Seabrook, you can get yourself Tasty Cajun Butter almost anywhere. TastyCajunButter.com. Want you to order some right there from the website. It's Tasty Cajun Butter is a creamy, delicious delight for seafood, chicken, or steak. It pairs well with pasta, potatoes, and vegetables. It's great for dipping, injecting, sauteing, or marinating. Make sure to check out tastycajunbutter.com. Welcome back to uh, Nerd Thug Radio, blasting all over the, the cold, dead, unfeeling, muted black universe. I mean, like, that's one way to look at it. (laughs) I mean, it's not exactly vibrant. I mean, and the scariest thing about it is an even darker thing called the black hole. The absence of light. Space sharks are scary. Yeah, I love the I love the fact that they're like, yeah, black holes don't just stay there; they can move, and they we can't see them, and they're untraceable, and they'll they could theoretically wipe us out in a moment. Yeah, suddenly black holes became the Mike Myers of space. And you're like, what? Like, they can just, just pop up anywhere? Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. Like a bad ex-girlfriend. <laughs> yeah, what are you going to do? Try and trace the thing that's literally the absence of light, like, itself? Like, what are you going to do? It is a weird thought that, like, how they find them is where they look for nothing. Well, it's it's just there's so much there's so much force that there's nothing there, or is there everything there? What's on the other side? That's right, it's interstellar. 
<laughs> if you ever want to not understand the, the ending of a movie, just watch Interstellar. What do you mean? Gravity was the thing that is true all along. That's all I got from that movie. She decodes that his watch is ticking in Morris code and that Matthew McConaughey spent an eternity typing in Morris code for the secrets of the universe into a watch. Then he jumps into the year, a hundred years in the future. What happens in that movie? I like I like the fact that they were like, oh, they contacted aliens, but it was actually just themselves. But it was, but it also was aliens. I mean, that was what I was understanding was that they were in this entity's dimension, but that that entity doesn't see three dimensions; it sees five dimensions. So, because it doesn't see three dimensions, it doesn't see a single point in time. Therefore, it can't interact. Therefore, humans don't know they exist. Oh, I didn't get that at all. Maybe I'm watching the wrong movie. But that's why he's able to move through time is because he's he's in he's with them at that point. Oh, I just thought it was like a weird gravity black hole thing. No, like if you rewatch it, he basically says that like, oh, but they don't, but they don't see in the fixed points, so they can't tell time. I, I guess, but I thought it was because gravity is. It's infinite in a black hole. Listen, you know what? Because the time stops. Because of relativity. We're we're letting we're letting freaking Nolan tell us what what how time works. Like he's a movie director. He doesn't know. Yeah, that's true. It's you know what the ending's whatever you want. Forget Nolan. Yeah, he doesn't know anything. Yeah. I mean he did do two really interesting movies about time, but screw him. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> shout out to uh, shout out to Graviton by the way Graviton? yeah a Marvel dude <laughs> control gravity yeah I just know I mean did, like, did he help you change a tire this weekend like <laughs> you I don't know it's just a gravity theme also okay, he could right. theoretically stop time and no one's even talking about it well he does do some weird stuff uh, he fights the Thunderbolts like so in the Thunderbolt comics, there was this really neat storyline where they basically got split off into two directions, and some of them are trying to stop this terrorist taking over the world, and some of them are still trying to be like superheroes. And the, the group that's trying to be superheroes is like a whole new lineup, like a backup lineup of characters. Well, when they come across when they come across Graviton, he just like he's mastered his power, he's mastered control of gravity so much that he just obliterates this team in one like in one twenty two page comic book. There's a girl wearing a giant beetle tank, and she's the new beetle, and so he crushes her to the size of a soda can. Um, another one can travel through shadows. So this was a part that didn't make sense. He detaches himself from Earth's gravity, so the sun immediately pulls him to it, and there's no shadows on the surface of the sun, so the shadow creature dies. Um... Then there was a girl who could fly. I don't remember exactly what her power was, but basically he releases her from gravity while she's flying, so she leaves Earth's atmosphere and dies in space. Awesome. And then there was a there was one who Oh yeah, Jolt, she was electricity, and so like he manipulates the gravity waves around her until like until the electromagnetic frequency disperses. 
So she just like ceases. Yeah. So like she's in, she's like she's turning to electricity and she's trying to electrocute him and he's like, gravity move, gravity move, and she's like, ah! and she just like disappears. And, and people and people talk about how Omni Man is a great scene. He kills everyone. This is fantastic. <laughs> then there was a guy who was a rock guy called Charcoal who could like manipulate himself and rocks in his body and all that. And, and Graviton just grinds him into fine dust. And he's like, manipulate that. He's like, I can become rocks. And he's like, you can become dust. Right. And then that just left Hawkeye standing there with his bow and arrows. And he was like, uh, cool. <laughs> yeah, what's the archer supposed to go against a guy who can control gravity? Literally nothing. Um, He taunted him and then ran away. Yeah, like get pranked idiot and then like runs away but he graviton could just be like all right cool no gravity and then he floats away yeah instead what he did he was like i'm gonna ignore you and he does which i mean also valid straight like what's he gonna do shoot arrows at you right so like he lifts um a bunch of the major cities and all the heroes try to stop him he just makes them float in orbit around the cities yeah if you can control gravity you can basically do anything yeah, it's 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 pretty unlimited what you could do. Uh, I guess we'll talk about QuiCon next segment here because we already we're deep in here. Uh, gravity, it's the gravity of the situation. <laughs> there's an interesting uh, bit of news. I think it's kind of smart. Spider Man has a new suit. They're calling it Spider Man Suit Zero, and it's debuting on Fortnite this week. The game before it debuts in the. Marvel Fortnite comic book crossover. Fortnite exists everywhere. It's inescapable. Much like taxes. So I saw a kid, he was a little kid, he was walking around with uh, one of the stuffed llamas from Fortnite. Yep. And I said, hey, is that a, is that, is that a Fortnite llama? And his mom was like, yeah, he's, he's, his brother's really into that game. And I was like, I gotta tell you, man, those guys came up with this llama and this the Fortnite stuff. So they there's no way they're not some of the richest, smartest marketing people in all of the world. She kind of laughed and she's like, "Yeah, that's probably true." I was like, "You see that stuff everywhere." They've made first first game to to make a gazillion dollars. Oh, I, I, that, I that's probably not even up for debate. I I, I totally believe that. Um, all right, we're gonna jump out to a break. When we come back, we're gonna wrap up with. Some brief comments about Kawhi Khan. It was, I, 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 we keep putting it off. I want to say this. I had a great time. It was fun. It was wonderful. It was a great thing. Um, thank you guys for putting it on. Hope they come back next year. Uh, we're going to jump out to a break. When we come back, we'll wrap that up and we'll uh, wrap up this edition of Nerd Thug Radio. Attention, real estate investors. Have you sold properties using seller financing? Call Sal. Do you collect monthly payments from a mortgage note but want a lump sum cash offer? Call Sal. Do you have a rent-to-own property but want to cash out? Call Sal. We pay cash today for your cash flow assets. If you would like a lump sum offer on your asset, please call Sal. We can present a same-day offer so you can get cash in your hands as quickly as possible. Call Sal at M5X Mortgage Note Solutions now. 619-922-0176. 619-922-0176. Corey DLG here of Nerd Thug Radio. Wanted to let you guys know about Dragon's Lair, Houston North. Right there at 21151 State Highway 249, Houston, Texas, 77070. The Dragon's Lair has got a full range of comics and games 
as well as comics, graphic novels, manga, and one of Houston's largest selections of board, card, and miniature gaming. That's Dragon's Lair right there at 249 in Luetta Road. Come hang out. Let them know Nerd Thug Radio sent you. Owing money to the IRS is not the end of the world. All is not lost. But it won't go away on its own. Hi, I'm Thelma, a certified tax strategist and the owner of Success Tax Help. The IRS is a special type of creditor who can garnish your paycheck, levy your bank account, and seize all of your assets. The good news is Success Tax Help can help you. Give us a call today. Our number is 832-856-2974. We're a full-service tax defense firm with over 60 years of combined IRS experience. Hey, everybody. Corey DLG of Nerd Thug Radio letting you know about Tanks Paintball. It's open every single weekend, Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays, and they also have a great discounted package for a $20 paintball happy hour that lets you get standard rental gear and 100 paintballs, all for just $20. Get on out to 22011 Southwest Freeway in Richmond, Texas, or call 281-342-5885. Make sure to go hang out at Tanks Paintball and have an awesome, awesome weekend shooting all of your friends. Hey guys, it's Corey DLG of Nerd Thug Radio, letting you guys know about Dragon's Lair's gaming schedule. Every Monday, they've got Magic the Gathering Commander going on, and on Tuesdays and Wednesdays, they have Dungeons and Dragons. That's what I get down on. Uh, Warhammer on Fridays, as well as Friday Night Magic. Every Friday, as well as monthly tournaments, Dragon's Lair's where nerds go to get their game on, right there at Luetta and 249. 211-51 State Highway, 249, Houston, Texas, 77070. Welcome back to Nerd Thug Radio. Uh, this is Corey DLG with me as usual, little brother Nico. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was your. You just. You just mm-hmm me. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What are you? What are you? What extra and unforgiven? What was that? <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> that was a way to bring the energy, buddy. I'm always here for it. You know me. You are uh, you are a resource to lean on in times of trouble, of course, like a bridge over troubled waters. Um, so we went to Kauai Con. What'd you What'd you think? Oh, it was really cute. I really I really had a good time. I enjoyed it. I liked how many people were there out having a good time, kind of celebrating some anime here in uh, here in local Conroe. Um, want to thank uh Scott for having us out. It was a good time. Uh, stores were there. Adventure Begins was there. Make sure to go to their Roku page. Check them out. Always support them. The Adventure Begins. It's a sponsor of the show, and they're great people. We always want to thank them for their time. And they were out there in force Saturday and Sunday. Had yeah. the game room going on, a little storefront. Plus, they were helping with the uh celebrities. They had a uh, young Michaela. Haranguing the voice actresses, yep. Hurting, if you will, celebrities need to be hurted. I know, I know people don't like to hear that, but you have to hurt the celebrities. Yeah, you got to make sure they're safe. You got enough water to drink. You got to keep them one pasture, then you move them into another pasture. Keep track of them. Let them move in groups so that they don't get lost. Yeah, you don't leave any one of them behind. Otherwise, the wolves get it. The wolf being general and convention goers, just anybody. Um, we were we don't we were having a good time. We were talking to a friend of the show, Chaz Von Graves, and uh, you know, talking about wolves. We were we were 
reminiscing about different guests of cons who've kind of been like weird or unique. And I remember when we were in Louisiana and Sean Aston was one of the guests and like they were allowing like zero access to him. Yeah, if you didn't have the Supreme Sean Aston gold sign certificate, you weren't touching this man. He he was literally bracketed by four police officers every time he moved through the convention. I I I just I've never forgotten it because a I feel like we've seen I mean no I think this is fair I feel like we've seen bigger stars than Sean Aston at these conventions. I ironically believe Ernie Hudson's a bigger star than him. That's that is honestly who I was thinking about just now. I was like, I think Ernie Hudson might be a bigger star than Sean Aston. Um, that's so funny you said that. But I mean, I mean, think about it. We've met um, uh, Jay from Jay and Silent Bob. Mm-hmm. We've also been at the conventions with all of the Daredevil, Netflix people, Marvel Defenders people. Yep. Uh. We also were behind the scenes with Amelia Clark, uh, Nathalie Emanuel, and those others. I mean, we were there while they were there. Yep. Uh, did you? Did you? I don't remember ever seeing any kind of security in the way of like the way Sean Aston was guarded. Oh no, I haven't either. I mean, there's just uh, Sean Aston literally was bracketed. There were four cops around him when he was walking through the convention floor. Like that's. That's nuts. He must have had like a really bad like fan run in and like maybe he's just traumatized. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. I would say that Ted DiBiase, the million dollar man, is probably more famous than him. Yep. Uh I would say the honky tonk man might be more famous than him. Right, we've seen all these people. They've That's what I'm saying. Like, we talked at length to Honky Tonk Man. We interviewed Ted DiBiase. We talked to Jay. Um, we did an interview with Jeffrey Cantor, who then wound up becoming a Facebook friend of mine. I'm still blown away by that. Like, his private page and my and 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 I are friends. Hilarious. Like, <laughs> I see what he posts up, like having dinner with his agent or his like daughter or something. Like. <laughs> And I'm always like, I don't think I'm supposed to see this, but I don't know if I'm supposed to be here right now. It's like friend of the show, uh, Lady McCollum, you know, the the model cosplayer uh, that, that we love so much. Um, she's friends with Houston 94.5 The Buzz's Teresa. Mm-hmm. And so she was posting some stuff that they had gone and done. And in one of them, she tagged Teresa's actual page instead of Teresa's public 94.5 Mama T page. Mm-hmm. And I, I messaged her. I was like, hey, you tagged the wrong Teresa for that one. And she goes, oh, she'll be fine. I'm not worried about it. And I was like, okay, I guess, I guess no one is. Like, <laughs> uh, But I just think it's funny. I just thought it was funny that like we've, we know these other people that are that are more famous, but Sean Aston's probably the most heavily guarded one we've ever seen. Again, like the only theory I could come up with is either A, he just is really paranoid, or B, he had like a really bad run in with someone and he's like like, no, you don't understand. I can't go to any con without like doubling <laughs> up, tripling up on security guards. I gotta have twelve guys. You know what it also makes me think about? If you remember when we did the sports show and 
um, we had the sports store that was a sponsor of ours. Yeah. And they had the guys from Sandlot come down. But it turns out that one of the main characters had become like a drug addict or whatever. Nice. And so, like, his wife didn't even really like him doing the Sandlot stuff anymore. Uh, But one of the other actors was going to be, like, his sobriety coach. And then neither one of them got on the plane, like, to come down for the event. And more than likely, like, (laughs) having the signing triggered a relapse of the guy. Like, (laughs) like. Sometimes you gotta like you feel bad because you're kind of responsible, but all like you gotta get your stuff together, man. Yeah, like all you had to do was sit on a plane and, and then like check into a hotel room. It wasn't that hard. But I don't know, or man. Was it? Apparently, it was. You you right. <laughs> uh, with all that being said, that's gonna wrap up another edition of Nerd Thug Radio. We do want to thank everybody for listening, as always. Have a great week. Take care of yourselves. Have a great weekend. We'll be back, as always, stronger, better than ever. Um, until then, enjoy yourself some Nerd Thug Radio. Like the page. Feel free to subscribe and uh, listen. Like. Uh, we're also on Facebook, Nerd Thug Radio. You can like that as well. Um, we have activated the ability to subs- uh, to pay a small monthly subscription fee to us. Uh, it's optional. However, there are people who already do it, and we, of course, appreciate those people. And I send them boudoir photos of Nico while he's asleep. Uh, Against my will. But, you know, it's fine. It's for the, listen, it's for the fans. I don't need your consent if you don't say no. That's dangerous. <laughs> that might be the worst thing I've ever said. Uh, with all that, we're going to jump out. You guys have a great uh, rest of the week. And stay tuned for more Nerd Thug Radio. <laughs>